been quite a while, which is like half of your guys' life. So anyways, I've been on staff for quite a while here, started as an intern, helped with music for a long time inside the youth, transitioned to pastoral. I was an administrative assistant for the ground floor. So if you see Kendra running around, I did that for about a year and a half uh, when Pastor Samuel was in here. And now I'm on staff and I get to hang out with you guys, get to be in the, the 180 most of the time. And, and it's incredible to come in here and get the, the opportunity to really get challenged because that's what we're all about inside of this church is we want to come together. Pastor Dwayne's actually doing a message and he's mentioning the importance of large group worship and small group fellowship. We come together so that we can, we could sharpen each other and get challenged so that when we go outside of here, we can be challenged to grow in our relationship with God. Well, this month we're going through a series on prayer, right? It's called the prayer series pretty straightforward. What we're doing is we're looking at some things that the Bible says about prayer. This is what I said to the 180 the last couple of weeks. You can grab about 150 different people and ask them to define prayer, and you will get almost 150 unique different answers because a lot of times maybe we have misconceptions about prayer or we just don't know and we think we know. So what we're doing is we're just looking at a couple of the main things, a couple of the main things that the Bible has to say about prayer. So if you have your Bible with you or you have your iPhone or your desktop computer, you can plug it in, boot it up, whatever you got to do, grab your Bible, flip open to Philippians chapter four. Main verse for today is going to be right out of Philippians chapter four. And today what I want to talk to you guys about as I'm flipping there, I want to talk to you guys about customized prayer customized prayer. I'm getting to Philippians. There we go. Philippians chapter four. I want to talk to you guys about customized prayer. And what what I really want to talk to you guys about customizing your prayer life. And this is not like you would customize an object. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like someone's like, hey dude, I got a new car and it's like totally sweet, but the paint job just wasn't quite cool enough. So I had to put like, you know, another $20,000 into a paint job so that my car can look like this in a second. I just wanted my car to look like that, you know, because I am like in love with Looney Tunes. No? No? Well, what about, well, what about maybe not Looney Tunes like that because the yellow's kind of crazy? What if I do this one? Because that one's pretty sweet. You know, have you guys ever seen that, how people customize their car? I don't know if I'd particularly drive a Looney Tunes car. I might drive this next car. I might drive that one. Come on. Just go, just go, aw, it's Snoopy, right? Okay, but out of all of my cars that I found with custom paint jobs, customized paint jobs, This next one's probably my favorite. Come on. That's pretty legit. I could actually say that I would drive that car. The only thing I can't figure out is why the letters are backwards. Why didn't they write them the right way? I don't know. Anyways, and I'm not cool enough to be able to flip that picture around in the program that I had, so I just left it backwards, and I said, get out a mirror, turn around, and look at it, and you can read it. Uh, Anyways, I don't want to talk to you guys about customizing in that sense, or maybe you know, you can get customized cell phone cases. Have you seen this? Check this out. Look at that. So you can pay like $25 and you can get your kitten put on your cell phone case, right? Come on. So when you drop your cell phone, not only does your phone break, but your $20 case breaks as well. Um, anyways, 
customizing as in like making it your own and making it part of who you're, you're like the identity of who you are, or whatever, that's kind of what I want to talk to you about, but I want to talk to you about customizing your prayer life in a little different way. So if you're taking notes, write down custom eyes, but put a dash in the middle of custom and eyes. Because really what I want to talk to you guys about today is I want to talk to you about having a custom of praying. So it kind of, it kind of makes you ask the question, well, what is a custom? A custom, if you look it up in the dictionary, whatever you want to do, you can Google it, you can pry Wikipedia, whatever you want to do. If you look up custom, it literally means a ritual or a habit. You guys have lots of habits in your life. I don't know if you know that or not. We are actually very habitual creatures, humans are. We're very habitual. Like we do things out of habit without even thinking about it. And we don't even realize we do it because we do it so often. How many of you guys had a bowl of cereal today? Okay, a couple of you. When I was your guys' age, I loved cereal. And it was always like, you can only have one bowl, you know? So what would you do? You go find the biggest bowl possible, right? When you guys had cereal this morning, for those of you that had cereal, did you really have to think about pouring that cereal into that bowl? Not really. You kind of do it out of habit, don't you? You've done it, you've, catch this, you've done it so frequently for such a long period of time that you could do it really without thinking. It's natural to you. Uh, many of you guys probably brush your teeth today. It's okay, I forget to brush my teeth every once in a while too. Uh, I'm sure you can find a mint, a pack of gum, stop at a store, it's okay. But for those of you that brush your teeth today, did you guys really have to think about brushing your teeth? Not really. I had to this morning because I'm starting to use an electric toothbrush. So I had to think about making sure I get each little spot. I and mean, it's like all ticklish on my gums, you know. But, so I had to think about it a little bit, bit more. But give me like three weeks and what will it become? A habit, right? We have so many habits in our life. Uh, when you guys put pants on, you probably put the same leg on all the time. And if I asked you right now, you probably couldn't even tell me which one it is because it's so natural for you to do when you put pants on that you don't even think about it. You know, have you guys ever heard the comment, well, we're, we're the same because you put one leg in at a time, you know, put your pants on one leg at a time. You guys heard that saying? I want to I wanna figure out, I want to figure out how to jump into my own pants. I think it'd be awesome. Uh, anyways, we do these things just out of habit. When you guys came here today, after worship, we just finished our worship set, we prayed, and then you went and sat down. Did any of you guys really have to think as you're sitting down to make sure that, you know, your butt lines up properly with the chair? Did any of you guys have to think? I'm going to blow your mind. Everything that I've just talked about, there was one time in your life that it was actually a little bit of a challenge to you. Everything. Sitting down, you used to have to think about. Walking, you used to have to think about, you know, put one leg in front of the other. My daughter, she's just turned two yesterday. She is running all over the place. I remember when she first started walking and it was so much thought into it. But give it a couple weeks of walking and all of a sudden she is running around the house. The dog got scared because now she's faster than him, you know. But it became a habit. She doesn't have to think about it anymore. So this is what I want to define a custom as. A custom is something done so often and for such a long time that it happens naturally and without effort. 
naturally and without effort. A good example of this is riding a bike. How many of you guys can remember the first time you rode a bike? I remember running into a telephone pole. Not cool. I didn't do that one again. I really quickly made it a habit of not running in or a custom of not running into a telephone pole because I realized that that hurt. But a bike, I mean, when you guys hop on it, it might be a little bit like this, you know, because we've had snow for so long. But when you get on it this spring, it might be a little bit like, okay, but within like 30 seconds, you're like, all right, I'm ready to go like do a BMX, backflip, half pipe, give me it, bring it, let's go, come on. You know, it's a habit for you. Uh, I, know, I know Josh could do this, but what if I said like, why don't you go up on that drum kit and play that song that they just played? I mean, you might, you're probably awesome like that. I can, but I can tell you that I couldn't do that that well. And I play drums a little, no, I don't really play drums that much. But anyways, it's be, why, why is it? It's because you don't have a habit of playing drums, a custom of playing drums. You haven't played drums frequently enough and for a long enough time. I mean, some of you guys, I know you can do this. And, but, but you haven't played drums frequently enough and for a long enough time where you could do it without thinking. I could tell you, Josh... And Ken, who I think Ken was playing drums, I could tell you that those guys are to the point where they really don't have to think much to play the drums because they've done it so often. It's a custom to them. They have a custom of playing drums. They have a habit, a ritual of playing drums. It's natural to them. Well, in our lives, we have to have a custom or a habit of praying. We have to have a custom or a habit of praying. If you guys are taking notes, what I want you to write down is two guys. It's kind of like two men in a truck, except instead of men, it's guys, and there's no truck. So just write two guys. Really simple for you. I wanna, I wanna walk you guys through two guys' lives really quickly that had a custom of praying. They had customized prayer lives, as in they had prayed, what I say, so frequently and for such a long time time that it comes naturally to them. So if you guys are taking notes, I want you to write down Daniel chapter six. If you have never read Daniel chapter six, you have to do it. Daniel is an incredible guy. Daniel is, let's give some backstory. Daniel's a captive in another country. The king was so impressed at him, by him that he put Daniel in charge of so many different things. Not only one king did this, but multiple kings did it because they saw how much, I guess, wisdom God had given Daniel. And the cool thing is, is Daniel always attributes it to God. He always attributes it to God. He, he says, I can't do this, but my God can do this. So anyways, we've got Daniel and this king, Darius, just stepped into office. He's kind of getting going. And there's three guys... There's some guys that are jealous of Daniel. They're jealous of the favor Daniel has with the king. So these three guys come together, and they start scheming, right? They, they say, man, we got to come together, and we got to come up with a way. We got to come together and come up with a way where we can get Daniel in trouble. Because if Daniel gets in trouble, he'll, get, he'll lose favor with the king. And if we, we can get him to lose favor with the king then the king will put us in charge because the king had put Daniel in charge of so much. Like most of the country, Daniel, this captive, who should be in a prison in their minds, 
is in charge and they were jealous. So these guys start scheming and they, they come up with a plan because they, they make this comment to themselves. They say the only way that we can get Daniel in trouble, the only way that we could do it, the only way we can have Daniel lose favor in the eyes of the king is if we could take and make something that makes it so he can't pray to his God. See, because Daniel was passionately in love with God, right? He followed God to the, like, as, you know, he put all of his effort into following God. So these three guys come up with this scheme, this plan. They go to the king and they say, hey, king, you should make a law and write it into the books. You should make this law that if anyone prays to any God other than you, they get, and where do they get thrown? Into a lion's den, right? Into a den of lions. You guys have probably heard this story. So the king's like, wow, that's a great idea. I want people to worship me. I want people to pray to me. So the king writes this law without really thinking about the full implications of it. Because the king knew Daniel and who he was. So the king writes this law. Well, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, listen to what it says. It says, yeah, there we go. It says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and praised, giving thanks to his God. And then what are these next couple words? Just as he had done before. Another translation says, just as he had always done. Okay, let's pause for a second and let's look at what just happened. This law was written that said Daniel can't pray to God. So Daniel goes to his house and gets into a closet and hides and prays. No. It says he opens the doors to the, or the windows. And this isn't like windows today. Like there's no glass, right? He opens up. So basically he might as well be standing on his rooftop right? He's basically standing on the rooftop, gets down on his knees in front of the window and begins to pray to God about what's going on. Daniel really easily could have made a decision and said, I'm just going to go hide in my closet, be scared, pray, make sure no one knows for the next however many days until this law is done. But Daniel said, no. I'm going to go pray to my God because, first of all, my God's great and my prayers are effective. The Bible says that prayers are effective. And he doesn't just do it in private. He proclaims it. And I love the last few words in that verse. Just as he had done before. Just as he had always done. See, what's the... What's the implication here? The implication is that Daniel had a custom of praying, right? Daniel had a habit or a ritual of praying. If you follow the story on, what happens is the king is actually frustrated at himself that he put Daniel in this situation because Daniel, he considers Daniel a friend. And he actually has to throw Daniel into the lion's den. And it says that the king didn't eat or sleep all night long. Because he wanted Daniel to be okay. So the next morning they run, they open up the lion's den, right? 
and he yells out, Daniel, are you okay? Did your God save you? And Daniel calls out, Daniel's fine. But Daniel made a choice to say he's gonna stand for God. And how'd he do it? He went to prayer. He had a custom, a custom of praying. Another guy that had a custom of praying is Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 and 23, if you're taking notes, write that down. Matthew 14, 23 and 23. 22 and 23, it says this. It says immediately after this, uh, that this is talking about when Jesus fed the multitudes. You know, when he prayed, gave thanks for the food, broke it and fed the multitudes. It says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples go back into the boat. So he's like, get in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. So he's like, get in the boat and go. It says while he sent the people home, so he told everyone else, go home. So he's the only one there. It says, after sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to take a nap. No, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. And then the the next few words, night fell while he was there alone, implies time happening, right? It wasn't like he went up to the hill, done, and then go, you know. He spent some time there. Why did Jesus spend time there? Because Jesus knew the importance of connecting with his heavenly father in prayer. Jesus himself knew the importance of connecting with God in prayer. Mark 135 says basically the same thing. It says before daybreak the next morning, so there's another occasion. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Jesus, even though he was God, knew the importance of spending time in prayer. Spending time in prayer, getting filled up, getting built up, getting encouraged. And praying frequently and continually is a large part of our relationship with God, which Pastor Daniel talked about last week. So Jesus Christ, even though he was God, he was in constant connection with the Heavenly Father. Check out what James 5.19 says. This is Jesus. This is a quote about Jesus. It says, so Jesus then said, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Jesus fully God, fully man, right? We all know this. Yet he knew it was important for him to spend time praying. And then he makes this comment of the son can't do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. Well, what's that mean? Jesus has to be so connected with God, right? Has to be in such a great relationship with God so that he can see the Father doing something, then he can go and do likewise, right? Because that's what Jesus is saying. He says, basically, I only say what I hear the Father say and only do what I hear the Father, or see the Father do. Jesus spends such time in connection with God in prayer because he knows the importance of it. I'm, I'm just gonna ask a question. Is anyone in here God? Nope. So do you think we should then take the time ourselves being fully human to spend time in prayer with God. I think it sounds like a good idea. 
The problem is this. Most people wait to pray, but we should have a custom of praying. When I was younger, probably your guys' age, actually a little bit younger, there was a show on TV called Animaniacs. Pretty funny little show, guys crazy. Anyways, in the middle of this big cartoon, there was a little cartoon called Good Idea, Bad Idea. And what it would always do is there was always the same guy that would illustrate or they would, you know, show him doing something that was a good idea and then they would show him doing something that was a bad idea. Example, whistling while you work, it would say, good idea, whistling while you work. And it'd show this guy like, you know, he's, he's whistling while he's using a pick. And then it would be like, bad idea, whistling while you eat. And he's in a restaurant, and he takes a bite of food, and he looks at the person next to him, and he's like, and he throws the food all over him, you know. Good idea, whistling while you work. Bad idea, whistling while you eat. Another, another example of this is good idea, taking a deep breath before you jump into a pool. And this guy's like on a diving board, and he's like, <gasps> and then jumps into the pool, you know. And then it would be like, bad idea. And it would be like, taking a deep breath after you jump into a swimming pool. You know, and he goes and he gets out the dive board, boom, and gets in the pool. And all of a sudden they show him underwater. He's like, you know, and he's choking. Let me, let me throw something out to you guys. Good idea. Investing or developing a custom of praying now. Bad idea. Waiting until you're in a situation where you need to pray to start investing into that. We need to start building a custom of praying now before it's needed. Look at that guy that jumped into that swimming pool that I was just talking about. None of us would wait until we're in the swimming pool to take a deep breath, right? We would do it before. Well, if we're so accustomed to taking a deep breath before we get into the swimming pool, why do we wait to pray until we're in the swimming pool, with the swimming pool being whatever's going on chaotic in our life. We wait until something breaks in our life, some event happens where we need to rely on God, and we wait till that moment to get on our knees and start praying. What's going to happen if you have a life like that, what's going to happen is you're going to drown, Right? You're going to suck water into your lungs and you're going to be sitting at the bottom of that pool and your prayer is going to be, God, I wish I would have known you and I wish I would have had an intimate, passionate relationship and such a connection with you that I already had the ability to walk through this. Jesus Christ is hanging out with his friends. They're in a boat in the middle of a storm and Jesus is walking on the water. It's because Jesus had a connection with God. Why do we wait until we're in the middle of the storm to start praying? Why do we wait until things are chaotic around us to get on our knees and connect with our Father in heaven? Why do we wait? A couple years ago, my wife and I were having our, we were pregnant and we're getting ready to deliver our, our little girl, well, she's getting ready to deliver our little girl. I didn't have much to do with it except stand there. Uh, anyways, we keep going to these doctor's appointments, and it seems like every other time we go to the doctor's appointment when we're pregnant with Josephine, it seems like every other time we go there, the doctor's trying to tell us something that might be possibly wrong with the pregnancy. 
And we keep going and they're like, hey, this is wrong. There's this going on. And we go and, and this is wrong. And then you might have this. And it's like all these attacks keep happening. These storms keep coming. Can I tell you how hard it was to stand through those storms? Even though we had a relationship with God, even though we knew what it meant to pray, even though we had a custom of praying, it was still difficult. But can I tell you that our custom of praying allowed us we had taken a breath before we jumped in the pool, right? If you wait until you're in the pool, you're not gonna have such a good situation. When you suck in, it's not gonna be nice, joyful air that you're breathing in. It's gonna be something that's not joyful. Have you guys ever seen someone in a pool that, that thinks they're drowning? It's not, a, it's not a fun sight. Because they, in their mind, something switches. Their mind goes to survival mode and they're gonna do anything they can. It's actually dangerous to go help somebody that's drowning. Because if you don't know what you're doing and you're not properly taught what to do, if you go and try to help someone that's drowning, the likelihood is that they're gonna push you under. So why do we wait to take a breath until we're in the pool? Why do we wait to develop a prayer life until the storm's upon us? You shouldn't wait until you feel the need to pray, but we gotta realize that we need to pray long before we feel the need. How many of you guys are in sports? Sports, maybe dance, I don't know, or music, you play music, like six of you? How many of you guys like basketball or playing? I don't, anyways, do you guys wait until game day to get ready for the game? Or do you practice before game day? No, we practice before game day. We get ready. Why do we practice? We practice so that we know what it's like to, I, I golfed in high school. Some of you will like it. Some of you might not. Anyways, we practice so that when I get up to that tee on game day, I know what's going to happen when I swing that club. We practice so that we know what's going on. We practice so we have something we can stand on when we're up there and we're a little nervous because the crowd's looking in on us, right? When I, was, when I was in high school and I was on the golf team, our coach started doing something that I didn't really understand the reason for it, but now looking back on it, I could clearly see what it was. He started setting up these things called scrimmages. Have you ever heard this? What, what do you do? You scrimmage. Well, what's a scrimmage? A scrimmage is simply a practice game, right? It's a game that allows us to experience all the pressure of a game, but before the score actually counts, right? I think we need to scrimmage in our prayer life a little bit. We need to get on our knees and practice what it means to pray to God. If we wait till the storm's upon us, till we're in that pool to breathe in some air, it's not gonna be pretty. We shouldn't wait until we feel the need to pray, but realize that we need to pray long before we feel the need. So that brings us to our verse for today, Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I'm going to read it out of two different versions. I'm going to start with the NCV. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 in the NCV says, Do not worry about anything, but pray 
and ask God for everything you need, always giving thanks. And God's peace, which is so great, we cannot understand it, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In the NLT, it says it a little different. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And then it gives us two basic things to start a prayer life with. First one, tell God what you need. Second, it says, and thank him for all he has done. Then you experience God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Can you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? The challenge is this. As you step out of this room, you have a choice. It's only your choice. And you can either choose to keep going and not pray, or you can make a conscious choice today. January 18th, 2015, you can make a a choice today, a constant choice to begin to develop a custom of praying in your life. The choice is yours. It's yours, not anyone else's. Another choice that's yours is, are you going to surrender your life to God? If I could come around teaching every one of you and sit down with you for 10 minutes just to have the opportunity to explain the importance of living for Christ, I would love to do it. Because living for Christ is both the most beneficial thing for you right now, and it's the most beneficial thing for you eternally. You have a choice. Are you going to live for Christ or are you going to live for yourself? Some of you guys have already made the choice, I'm going to live for Christ. Some of you have made that choice and then you kind of went back to living on your own for yourself. I want to challenge you, let's, let's live for Christ. Some of you are sitting in here and you're like, I've never made that decision and I want to make it right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three and if you'd say, I want to make a decision Maybe you have in the past and you need to again, or you need to right now for the first time. If you say, I want to make that decision to live for Christ, I want to know what that means. I want to surrender my life to him, to have him be my savior and my king. When I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it right now if that's you. All right, this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray over you guys. And then I wanna put into practice for a few minutes the things that we've talked about today. In a second, after I pray, I'm gonna invite you guys to break up in groups of two or three. I want guys with guys and girls with girls. And I want you to scatter around the room. And I want you to begin doing what Philippians 4 said. I want you to pray for things that you guys need in your life. Ask for prayer requests from each other in your group of three or four. Ask what they need prayer for. And then I want you to begin to thank God for the things that's happened in your life. 
But let me pray for you guys. And then when I say amen, you guys can break up and find your groups of three or four. Father God, I thank you for each person in this room. Lord, may we realize the importance, the vitalness of actually developing a prayer life starting today. Lord, and those of us that have have a prayer life, Lord, will you help us to even develop it even farther? May we give everything to you. May we know what it means to fully rely on you in every area of our life and to follow you with every ounce of our heart. Lord, we just love you. Christ, we thank you that you came to this earth and you paid the price for us. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ and everybody said, amen. All right, why don't you guys go ahead. We're gonna take like five minutes, not much time, three to five minutes. Break up into groups of three or four, or maybe even five, guys with guys, girls with girls. And I wanna go out and I want you guys to begin to pray for what each other needs and pray for the things that God has done in your life, giving him glory and thanks.